back to Life North of the 54th. I'm Garrett Brown. And I'm Preston Brown. We're happy to have you join us on our program today. We have with us today an old friend, Kim, and we'll have her introduce herself. Hi, my name's uh, Kim Holder. I have the privilege of teaching both Garrett and Preston in uh, PWA in Grand Prairie, Alberta. And actually, I taught every single one of their siblings. So kind of a great thing. They were a great family to teach and because uh, they, of course, loved science and it was always fun to fun to teach them and they uh, qu- quite enjoyed school. So that for a teacher, that's always something really, really good. I grew up in the um, the, the peace country in um, more so around the Grimshaw area. I was born in a little a little tiny hospital called Berwyn, and uh, my family was from that area. And I was so basically raised in Grimshaw. I went to Grimshaw High, and a big portion of my family is there. I mean, not that my mom's family was very large. Um, my grandpa had eleven brothers and sisters, so very huge. My dad's family, very small. He only had two brothers and himself. So kind of, kind of interesting, but quite enjoyed the the peace country being raised there. Just very family oriented and everything like that. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So I don't think you mentioned, but you taught chemistry at Peace Wapiti Academy. I did. I taught chemistry. I forgot to mention what I actually taught. Yes, a science, but it was chemistry, yeah. Yeah, science 10 and, chem- and chemistry 2030. I miss it. I'm I'm now retired and I absolutely miss it. Now I miss the kids. Do I miss the marking? No. no. Do I miss <laughs> no. the, do I miss the parent politics? No. No. Do I miss the horrible staff meetings? No, but I do miss the kids. <laughs> I do miss the the be, being a teacher that's, you know, that's the big, huge thing. Yeah, I can relate to the marking, but I've never had to do as much marking as I think a high school teacher. Yeah, well, and, and I was I was bad. I believe that if you guys handed it in, I should mark it. And apparently not all teachers feel that way, but I definitely <laughs> did. Yeah. So. yeah, they definitely don't feel like that at university very much. No, no, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> the, the accountability at university is different than it is at high school. Yeah. Definitely it is. Yeah, I had some classes where they would have you turn in an assignment, maybe it's five or six questions, and then they would just mark one of them. And you didn't know which one it was. They would just mark one. So you had to do them all. Yeah. And so it's like, you never know which one was going to be marks. You had to do a good job on all of them. It was hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed my time in high school. I know that's not necessarily what is normal for most people or many people. Some people really struggle with high school. Yeah. But I had a great time. And yeah, I really enjoyed the learning. I mean... I'm doing oh, yeah. PhD now. So I enjoyed the learning enough to like spend more than more than the usual K to 12 time now doing post K to 12. Yeah. But yeah. And, uh, you know, and everybody's different, right? Everybody. And there's different kinds of learning, right? You know what Preston is doing. I wish I was as as talented to be able to fix things and don't uh, wouldn't have to, you know, phone a handyman every time I want to fix something because, well, I, I've I've tried to fix a few things. Some goes okay, some not so much. <laughs> yeah, and it's a skill it takes practice. Very true. And and hands-on things are, I mean, Preston, I, I can tell that like for Preston, well, both of you were very hands-on, right? Because both of you love spending time in the shop. Yeah. But you're both sciencey, you're both hands-on, but you one has gone one way with the, uh, with your, with the... 
you know, going into doctorate. The other one's going into hands-on with carpentry and everything like that, but both incredible skills. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been fascinated with Grimshaw. I just remember they, I've been there quite a few times, but what was it like growing up there? Um, Grimshaw, really small town, under 5,000 people. Small towns can be good and bad. Good that everybody knows what you're doing, so they care and they, you know, want you to do well and they yeah and you know they they look out for you and you know when you're in school you didn't just have one mom you had like 10 moms because (laughs) somebody if your friend's mom saw you you know your lunch wasn't right or something you know you needed a ride or whatever you you always had lots and lots of help bad because sometimes well there's sometimes that you just didn't want your parents to know what you were doing and of course you know you would have them, they'd think on you type of thing. Um, my next door neighbor, I came home yeah, a little bit after curfew, told my dad that I'd come home before curfew and he didn't know. Uh, but I next door neighbor informed my dad that, oh no, he saw me coming in at 2.30 and uh, that wasn't the time that I came home. And I'm like, rats. <laughs> so, I mean, it can, it can be good and it can be bad, but for the most part, it's good. Grimshaw is uh, quite a close-knit town. It's not quite as much anymore, unfortunately, just because, you know, the families have kind of moved away and there's been lots more people coming in and out. So they're not quite as close. But if there's a family that's in trouble or whatever, all they have to do is post on the, they have a little Facebook page for Grimshaw and they can post anything and people come, you know, they'll, there's a fire or if there's whatever it, it's amazing how the town actually comes together and does things and uh, what's really kind of cool is people my age now are starting to become grandparents Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it's quite neat to see you know them with their grandchildren and how that they're trying to carry on the community spirit and things that they do so it's really quite neat to to live there I love going back I'm always grateful when I get to kind of come back to Grand Prairie because well you know the grocery store doesn't have everything that you might like and you there's no place in Grimshaw to buy you know a pair of socks or anything like that so you have to kind of kind of you know weigh the good with the bad but generally I think growing up in a, in a small town was really beneficial for me type of thing educationally wise mostly beneficial hard because I mean they didn't offer calculus class right so you had to you were thrown to the wolves in first year university when you had to take calculus in university. But generally, you know, the, and, and again, good and bad, you, the teachers knew your parents, so they had no problem with, with phoning them. And so that can be good and that can be bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Peace Wapnu is kind of like that too, though. Like we knew all the parents really well and your mom and dad could come in and say, so are they getting all their stuff done? Yeah, they are. <laughs> but uh, did you grow up in Grimshaw or just outside of Grimshaw? Uh, right in Grimshaw. That's kind of a half truth. I lived a big portion of my life in Grimshaw. And then my dad decided that we needed an acreage. And we moved out for an acreage for a little while, for about five or six years. And then my mom said, I'm done with the acreage. We can move back into Grimshaw. So, um, Okay. So we moved back, but for mo- for the most part, I was no more than like ten minutes away from Grimshaw. So, but lived there from 
I think I was two when we moved there. And well, my parents lived and passed away there. So it's uh, completely, you know, we, they lived their entire lifetime in Grimshaw. So my brother's still there. That's amazing. Yeah. And well, it's a, it's a long time. Like he's been there a long time. So it's kind of cool to be able to still go home. Like I still call Grimshaw home. Yeah. Which is a, a unique thing for, for people. Like you call probably Toronto home. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, definitely when I talk with my daughter since she was born here. But yeah, it's a little hard to feel like Toronto's home, partly because it's it feels transient because I'm going to school here. Yeah, for and sure. it doesn't feel like I'm going to stay. Yeah, but I've been here for so long that it does feel kind of yeah. home. Especially when I go away and come back, it does feel like I'm coming home. Yeah, all my stuff's here. Yeah, yeah, oh for sure. So, and for, yeah. for and for Preston, while he's uh, I mean Edmonton's not that far away from Grand Prairie, so a little closer to home. Yeah. You call Grand Prairie home. You could drive there and back in a day. Yeah. Which I have done before. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, Grand Prairie to Edmonton, the Grand Prairie or vice versa. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Every time though, I come back up Highway 43 and pass Bazanson and then like peek over by the Clusking Hills and start driving into Grand Prairie. Yeah. It does still feel like I'm going home. Yeah. Even if I've not been there in, in years oh for sure and and, that, and that's the, i mean i just went to grimshaw this past weekend and as soon as i i hit berwin i know that you know it just feels like home and and when you walk down this i mean still everybody you know when i i went for a walk the other morning and and uh, a bunch of people stopped and said hey you're back and you know and everything's how's it going and i heard you retired and of course you can't you can't go to the grocery store without having finding somebody that wants to to talk to you because they haven't seen you in forever and but it's still everybody can still considers Grimshaw my home like I'm just right. living in Grand Prairie to you know have a job hired <laughs> but you know that's that's yeah. that's kind of how they feel is they always think that you're like you're a Grimshaw girl well actually I'm a Grand Prairie person now but you know but yeah. uh yeah it's 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 still a I think a cool feeling too that when you go back to someplace like that, you, you know, you recognize people and you go into the post office and they talk to you and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it, it's, I guess it's comfortable yeah. kind of thing and kind of comforting, which is kind of a, you know, it's not something you would find in a, in a big city, even in Grand Prairie though, because I've taught here so long and I went to Safeway today and took me forever to get out of there because I ran into like five different groups of parents and a kid that I used to teach. And I'm like, Oh, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah. We went to the grocery store yesterday. We ran out in like three minutes. Yeah. Well, and that's what happens when you go like a hundred people in there <laughs> and they don't care and they don't know you and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So what led you from, so you said you did high school in Grimshaw yeah, and then I know you went to university to become a teacher, but do you want to tell us your experience and story on how you left the peace country and then ended up back in the peace country? Sure. Um, when I graduated from high school, I was sure I was going to become a pharmacist. And so I wrote all the, I wrote the PCAT and all the entrance things for pharmacy. And I got in and uh, got out to the U of A and about, I don't know, two thirds of the way of the year, you had to go do a placement. So you had to go visit a little pharmacy and kind of do like kind of a work experience. 
And I remember phoning my dad and absolutely bawling on the phone going, I can't do this. I can't deal with sick, whiny people. Um, my whole life, I can't do this. Because, of course, I was working on a working a little uh, inner city pharmacy. And, of course, yeah. all these elderly people would come in and they were sick and coughing and they wanted to know what cough syrup they should take. And I'm like, I can't do this. I This is just not what I could do. And so I, I finished out the year. And when I came home, my mom and dad said to me, well, I don't know what you're doing, but in September you're going back to university and you need to figure out what you're doing. You're not staying in Grimshaw. You're getting your butt back out there and you're going to do something. I'm like, I have no idea what I want to do. And one of my ex-teachers invited me to come back and because I was home from university in, in May and invited me to come back and help out in her classroom. And I went, this is cool. I like this. I like working with the kids. I like you know, helping them with their stuff. And so I applied to GPRC at that point and took my first year of education. And then what I did is in GPRC, you could not finish, well, you can, but you can't really finish your, your senior science degree. I mean, you could get an elementary science, elementary science degree, but I really, I didn't like the little rugrats. They're cute in groups of one or two. They're not cool in groups of 24 and 25. I'm like, nope, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> and so I transferred to the U, uh, UVL, uh, University of Lethbridge, and got my degree in education with a major in chemistry and physics and a minor by mistake. It, well, actually a minor in math and a minor in psychology by mistake, because what happened is, is I was filling all my requirements and I took five psychology courses just because I found them interesting. And then when I got my degree papers, I went, hey, apparently I have a minor in psychology too. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of cool. During my, my time at the U of L, I really discovered that I really didn't want to teach little kids. I got barfed on once. That was really exciting. Yes. I remember you telling me that story when I was in high school. Yeah, not not cool. I was doing the swish and spit and this kid burfed all over me. Special was that. So I, I really knew that I wanted to teach high school. So then I went to a, an exciting place called Fox Creek and um, <laughs> taught uh, chemistry and physics there. And that was an interesting town to teach in because either they were in, in Fox Creek at that point, there were three types of people. Either you worked for Amico, you were a, an RCMP. You were an engineer or you were a teacher. Those are the four type of people that were in Fox Creek. And I remember I was coaching volleyball and, and going on these trips and these kids would say, you know, Ms. Holder, do you have change for 50? What color is a 50? I don't know what color a $50 bill is. Because, I mean, at that point, the oil industry had lots of money. And I also discovered that working in a town like Fox Creek was really cool because Amico had all this money and they found out that I was the new science teacher in Fox Creek High School. And they came in and said, give us our, your wish list because we have a grant for you. And I went, oh, <laughs> so I wrote out this little wish list. And the guy said, no, no, no. I mean, wish list. Like, this is like just a baby wish list. He said, give me a wish list. And 
what we have money for, I will buy you. So I dreamt big. I went, well, if he's going to ask me for a wish list, I'm going to make a big wish list. And believe it or not, I got it all. Holy cow. Like, all a- of a sudden, like these boxes kept coming to the school. And I'm like, I got a huge Van de Graaff generator. And I got all of this stuff. And all these teachers are going like, like, how did you do this? I said, I don't know. I just... I made a wish list and that's what they gave me. Like we have a tax write off. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. They didn't want to get taxed on it. So they give it to the local school. Oh yeah. And, but we (laughs) had some, like we had some cool things. Like it was like absolutely in, you know, we had the great big, huge uh, Van de Graaff generators. So, I mean, we could zap people. I mean, (laughs) it it was funny. What I did is, is, I, we had a social studies teacher that shared my room and he always left my room in a mess. And so what I did is I left the Van de Graaff generator kind of sitting where he put his stuff. So I plugged it in and let it run for a while and then unplugged it. And then he came into my classroom. Well, of course he grabbed it and didn't know it was charged and got a big zap out of it. I got into a little bit of trouble for that, but it was, I thought it was funny. Not sure he did. Yeah, I had a few experiences growing up with Van de Graaff generators. You know, yes. they're fun. They're fun things, and they're really exciting for for kids to to play with. Yeah. It wasn't until I got to university and I learned that Van de Graaff generators were not designed and built to entertain children and and, yeah. and show that they're like actually built to be used in particle accelerators and oh yes. and colliders. I oh like, yeah. Oh. I got to work on one that was a it was broken, and so I was working on it trying yeah. to fix it. But it was a two million volts oh. potential. Yeah, it was, it was pretty big. Wow, that would be impressive. That yeah. would be impressive. So unlike Mr. Hassan Ali, who would let it run for fifteen minutes and then tell a kid to stick out their tongue to watch the blue arc jump from the, uh, <laughs> the, the Van de Graaff generator to their tongue, it's like, oh yeah. my goodness, Hassan Ali, you, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't tell him. I won't tell him you told us. Oh, he knows. I tell everybody all the time. <laughs> we didn't do that. Oh, he didn't do that with you guys? We did the pickle plugged in the wall one, but we didn't <gasps> do that one. Oh, I yeah. We're going to talk about the pickle thing, Mr. Hassan Alley. Yeah, if you want to. Oh, yeah. And so, in of course, Hassan Alley always... We can jump back to... To Fox Creek, if you want, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, with Mr. Haskin on the pickle thing, what happened was, is that he wanted to do the pickle thing. And so he said, I need, I need some forks. And I said, well, I have two forks in here. They were my lunch forks. And he said, and I need an extension cord. And I said, because he didn't want to use the power supply that's safe. He, you know, the one that, you know, it has the resistors and everything on. Oh, I didn't want to use that like he's supposed to. So he comes into my classroom and he goes, do you have the keys to the fuse box? And I went, why? And he said, well, I blew all the fuses on the far end of the school. I went, how? <laughs> and I said, because I mean, I was the science department head, right? And so he said, well, we were playing around with the pickle project and it worked really well. And so we went, I went down to look at it. And what he had done is... Yes, you take the, the, he cut the end off my extension cord, nice, and stripped it and wrapped it around the forks and then covered it in tape. So it was kind of safe. 
And then he put the forks into the pickle. And of course, it made the pickle, plug it into the wall, made the pickle glow yellow because of the sodium in it, right? Well, then he decided that what he should do is he wondered if you could get an olive to do that. What happened is the fork tines got too close and it arc welded the two forks together and then blew all the breakers in the far end of the school. Yeah, you're suddenly loading the whole 120 volts. I think that was in Travis's class. Travis told me that story. Oh, was it? Mm, Yeah, that was not good. So not only did he wreck my extension cord, but he wrecked, he arc welded my two forks together and I had to go down and hit all the breakers. And of course, Mrs. Gerard wanted to know what had happened. And the other thing is, is, is I said, well, how did you unplug this? Well, I just grabbed it and unplugged it. And I'm like, and the, I noticed with the extension cord, it was only a two prong. It didn't have the, the ground, ground, ground in it. He is so lucky that he didn't fry himself. Yep. <laughs> just pass me on, you know. Anyway, sidetracking, but that's okay. Yeah, then, but- then after uh, I taught in Fox Creek that I moved back to Grimshaw and I taught in a little school called Holy Family School. And it was a Catholic school and they needed a chemistry physics teacher, even though I wasn't Catholic. I uh, got to teach in a Catholic school. I taught there for seven years. Then I, I got tired of, cause I had to teach some elementary, like I te- taught social three. Ooh. And uh, yeah, some of the courses I taught were science grade one. That was interesting. Um, sink and float and all those stuff. I'm like, oh, I, I don't think I can do this. And of course the teacher, 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 like I am, yeah, I'm, just not cut out for this. And so a, a job came up at Harry Balfour and I applied for it. And that's my big move to the exciting city lights of Harry, Bal- Harry Balfour. I moved in 1997. I moved there and uh, taught there until uh, taught Harry Balfour, taught science 789. And I don't know if, did, if you guys didn't have me for science 789, did you? You didn't have me for any junior high. No, I, I, I first encountered the, the, the Browns in, in Peace Wapiti, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Peace Wapiti School Division acquired the building and yeah. then put the high school there before I even think our older siblings were in junior high. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't get to teach any, I mean, didn't teach any, any of them at, at Harry Balfour. So then you guys all started moving over to big site in 2001. We opened up um, Peace Wapit Academy. Sad thing is, is that we will never forget the day that Peace Wapit Academy opened to the students. It opened to the teachers earlier, but it opened on September 11th, 2001. So oh, the wow. first day for the students was the day um Yes. Yeah, so September 11th, 2001. Yeah, September 11th. <laughs> so we won't ever forget that day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They had to um, uh, delay the opening because the very first day they let us into the school was, I think, August 30th. And what happened was um, Mr. Mitchell, I don't know if you guys remember him, mm-hmm. and he was walking down the hallway and there were some wires that were hanging down. And uh, he reached up and just gave them a swat. And they were live. And so the safety guy came in and said, oh, no, no, we can't have students in here. So they didn't let you guys come in until September 11th. So, 
Yeah, it uh, definitely a, a and a, and a, a and then the school wasn't done at that point, so you know it's still. I mean, you guys lived through the gym, you know, the roof in the gym not being done and no handles on the door, you know, on the doors and but uh, yeah, it's, and um, Peace Wapiti was a, an excellent experience for me. It was uh, we had a really close knit staff. We had Mr. Darienko and you know, and it, because we lived through, you know, we had some days where we had to wear mittens in the staff in the school because, oh, well, the heat, they didn't really fix the heat thing very well. And all of a sudden it was like minus 10 in the classrooms and everybody had to go get their coats and their mitts. And it uh, was definitely uh, an interesting type of thing, but they've really developed. And I noticed, Preston, you have your Titans thing on. Your Titans basketball. <laughs> that was great dying that was yeah. in high school this one yeah i got it too big for me so i could wear it when i'm older yeah <laughs> that's cool i remember going because peace Wapiti academy went into the school of the old saint joseph's high school yes and i remember playing basketball against saint joseph's and also just going to their new high school yeah. i remember often thinking about how i kind of appreciated having the old yeah. school filled yeah. with new stuff instead of the new school filled with old stuff. Yeah. The, like the gym equipment and sort of stuff that St. Joe's had was less yes. quality than what PWA had because PWA got the old school and new stuff. Yeah. It was kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. We got the old building, but we got uh, all brand new stuff. So that was kind of, kind of an, you know, good thing. Like we got microscopes that were, you know, when they first gave us, when the Alberta government first gave us uh, our budget on what we could do, they said, well, we haven't done this for a long time. So just order. They didn't They didn't give me a number what I could order for science equipment. So I just kept ordering and, and I, you know, I ordered 15, $800 microscopes and didn't even blink an eye. And I'm like, okay, keep on going. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and those microscopes, because, because when you buy quality like that, it, they last and they're, I mean, they're still using them today. So it's a good thing, but. That's what happens when you buy better quality stuff. It uh, lasts a little bit longer, but the old big bandograph is still there sitting yeah. in Hassan Alley's room. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know that later, a few years later, uh, like after I had graduated, that the building had suffered a lot of roof, a lot of roof problems, and yeah, lots of long renovations that didn't seem to go successfully for a while. Yeah. But. Um. Yeah, that's, that's that's the the old building, old problems. Yeah, yeah. Set of and, things. Uh, you know, it, it like when we first started, we only had the one wing, right? And then they opened up the the rest of it, and then they took the gym a long time because you know they they found that there were problems with the gym and it was leaking and and all that. But and uh, and now they are they have two portables, and they have so many people. Well, they're over. 540 kids when you guys were there oh, wow. it was like 300 yeah uh, maybe 400 at yeah i think it was almost four when i graduated yeah and it's it's so like you go into the hallways now and you're like Ugh. but uh but i haven't started sub subbing yet i haven't gotten that board <laughs> <laughs> i'm like no we're good we're good we're good how, how long have you been retired now um this is my second year okay so I retired in June of 2021. 
So, yeah. I have to admit, at first, it was super hard. Um, but to be fair, like the, the ATA told me that I should probably wait a year to start subbing just because I'd been there for so long that it really wasn't, you know, it it was a good thing for me to take a break. And and it was, I my and my nieces kept me really busy. So, cause they moved and had went everywhere. And of course I was, you know, on anti-patrol where I got to help them move and box and clean and do all those different yep. kinds of things. So that was kind of fun, but uh, get to kind of reconnect with family. So that's, as a teacher, that's one thing I find very difficult is because at least how I taught, it was kind of an all encompassing job type of thing. So needless to say, it took over, you know, my life type of thing. And so I didn't get, to, I saw my family, but not as probably as much as I would have liked to. But I still will say that teaching is a calling, right? With my science degree, I could have done things that probably would have made me more money. Yes. Um, but I really enjoyed my job. And that's, you know, if you can pick a job that you love, that's a, that's the most important thing. Yeah, it makes all the difference. It does. And don't know for sure because I didn't work with them. Yeah. But I also found that the people I work with also makes a huge difference. And many or most of the teachers at PWA were usually really good. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like I talked to Mr. Darienko probably three or four times a year. He's living outside of Winnipeg now. And he always says, you know, if you ever come by Winnipeg, you make sure you stop. Well, um, I hate to say you this D, but usually if I'm going anywhere, it's over top of Winnipeg. It's not landing in Winnipeg, but <laughs> but I keep in touch with quite, quite a few of them. Mr. Padeus is uh, in outside Edmonton now. And so he's a principal, but he, I think is retiring this year. So uh, Mr. Gerard's still the principal at DWA and keep in touch with a lot of those. Mr. Tesseros is still teaching math. That's amazing. Did you have any feelings throughout your career as a teacher about doing more administration work or you just enjoyed the chemistry and teaching in your position so much you just didn't think you ever wanted to do that? Somebody asked me one time, why did you not ever apply for administration job? And I said, because the extra pay that you get does not cover the cost of hair dye. <laughs> um, I just... <laughs> I find that administration, you're always dealing with the politics of a school. And I hate the politics of the school. I like working with the kids. I like doing the labs. I like doing those types of things. Dealing with the parents and the politics and the, oh, that is so not my thing. Yeah, I have a little bit of an intolerance for people that are like whiny and stuff like that. And so when I, you know, when you get some of the politics happening in a school, you're like, well, my kid, why didn't I'm like, oh, oh, nope, I am so not good. So, you know, Miss Gerard asked me, well, how come you haven't applied for a vice principal job? Because <laughs> I don't want it. Yeah. I like my little, my little classroom and my little chemistry lab and, you know, setting off the fire alarm, which I did numerous times, but. Uh, but all in good fun. All in good fun. Garrett set off the fire alarm too, I remember. Yeah. At least twice. I did. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yes, he did. Actually, Garrett, Garrett, I am the one that was the, I'm walking down the hallway and I went, because I'm, of course, the chemistry teacher, I went, I was walking with Mr. Bideas and I said, Neil, do you smell smoke? He goes, no. I said, no, no, I smell smoke. And so I went, I said, so we started walking down the hallway, it starts getting thicker and thicker. And I remember walking into the shop and there you are you're just working on your project and looking up in the air and that air duct was 
yeah. flaming red. And we're like, uh, we need to phone the fire department. <laughs> Oops. I don't think I was. I don't think I was there for the actual fire. I think D Darienko was there for it. But okay. Yeah, I was the one that caused it. Yeah. Because, eh. yeah, you know, I was. You know, they have lots of ducts, air ducts, to get yeah. all the sawdust out of the out oh, of the yeah. shop, and I was using the belt sander. Yeah. On my metal project, yeah. So I had like little sparks coming off of it, just going up into the ventilation system, yeah. and they settled in a nice spot, and yeah. Lots of oxygen flow from the constant HVAC system, just yeah. pulling nice new fresh oxygen. And then a day later or so when Dee was there on the weekend, it's just it just took off. Yeah. It, it had a fire going. Oh, as well, because D afterwards, you know, the next day. So I had set up all the sparks and then D the next day had set up a nice fresh layer of new dry sawdust. Yeah. yeah oh, for nice sure. Fire there. I mean, and the, and the bad thing about that is that should have never happened because they should have had different. Um, I mean, the ducks weren't cleaning properly because they weren't exactly set up. Now, the nice thing after you did that, they set up the ducks all properly. <laughs> yep. So yeah, there were a few things about that that I noticed in my time in high school. I would unintentionally get up to mischief, break yeah. something, and then make it better. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yes. Cool. Cool. I don't remember too many bad stories about Preston, though. I don't remember too many like. Oh, you know, I always hide it in the shadows of my brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes even being called by their names in high school. And you know what? I didn't ever have a problem with, I, I never mixed the two of you up, I don't think. Well, because you were both very quite different, right? I still remember, who was it with the, the, had the sitting in my classroom and always had the big court jar sealers of peaches? That that was definitely me. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. So I, I saw your mom not too long ago and she was, uh, we, we shared about, I said, wow, you probably don't have to do as many peaches as, as you yeah. do. But. Yeah. That's just really a result of my, my laziness in high school, right? Cause we had, <laughs> we had seminary at seven o'clock in the morning and we lived out of town. It was 15 minute drive and I would wake up at six forty five <laughs> to get to seminary. Yeah. yeah. And so you didn't so make I lunch. Would, yeah, I would rush out the door with a yeah a quart jar of peaches yeah. and a packet or two of instant oatmeal. Yeah. Then after I'd get to school in the morning at like eight o'clock, I would make my oatmeal in my little bowl and have a jar of peaches for lunch. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever worked. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but at the same time, that's so many empty calories that yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't. Now it's astonishing to me still to see how how I did, but also just how like any teenager survives on just like the junk food that they. They put in them. Uh, it's, a, it's astonishing. Oh yeah, and that was the age when you could do things like that, right? So when you're you're 17, yeah. you can do things like that. It won't matter <laughs> now. Try that now, and that's a whole different story. It is a couple of the other things, uh, mischief high school things that I got up to. I accidentally set off the fire alarm a couple more times when I was in art, and we were doing silk screen printing. Oh yes, and I was using the heat gun to cure the silk screen ink. And I'd never done it before and yeah. I was doing it alone because yeah. they trusted me. Yeah. And so I was curing this ink or like this paint ink on my shirt yeah. and then the ink starts bubbling. And I was like, oh, I wonder if it's supposed to bubble Yeah. because <laughs> I was melting it and like burning it. And yeah. Then, yeah. The fire alarm went off. And then of course it was like, okay, that was me. It's like, okay, like the fire room is like, it's clear. Everything's fine. We know what the problem was. So I go back inside and then I set it off again. Yeah. <laughs> the same, exactly the same way. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Johnson got blamed for all those. You're good. 
<laughs> he usually took took the blame for that. But uh, yeah, and the other mischief I got up to with with my friend uh, Darren Bredno. We, oh my gosh! Yeah. In Cicero's class. Yes. Math class. Like it was it was hard to focus during her lectures because I, I it came naturally to me to understand yeah. functions and and algebra and the work that we were doing. So Darren and I would tinker around on our calculators and would would program for fun and make games. But we also became a little bit more ambitious and we we recreated the calculator memory erase screen uh-huh. so that we could show the this imitation of what the memory erase screen looks like or yeah, to help teachers believe that our calculator had just been erased before a test so that we could keep all of our programming code on our calculator without having to rebuild it. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, but we, we were very careful. We only gave it to one other person and just as like a test. So there were like three of us that went into this test. They must've been a final in like January or something. Yeah. Yeah. And three of us got into the test without having our calculators erased, but we all trusted each other not to actually cheat. Yeah. I didn't cheat. <laughs> yeah. But then we're like, this is too powerful. We cannot like, yeah, we can't, we can't disseminate this to too many people. It will be the end of, of yeah. the yeah. Yeah, science yeah. test. That's when we take your calculator and we flip it over and we don't just punch it in. We take the little, little pin and we hit the little you know major one. And it's like, oh, that's bad. Yep. Yeah. And th- the final one was, I was with, I was with Cole McLeod. And we were waiting for art class to start. And so we were at the top of the stairs for art and we were waiting and we're like bored. And we're like, hey, I wonder if we can pick the lock. And we couldn't like actually pick the lock. But right, because the door closed, I guess if you're in the classroom, the door would open outward so that you could leave the classroom easily. Yeah. Which meant that it closed and which meant the latch would close from the outside in. Meant that you could stick something thin in there. Yeah. And pull the door and yeah. the latch at the same time, and you could just open the door. Yeah. And it worked. And we're like, oh, oh, this is not good. Because <laughs> the door was definitely locked, and we just opened the door. Yeah. And so we, I think we told uh, D, or at least I told Darian Co. Yeah. yeah. And he took um, a welding rod. Yeah. He took a piece of metal, yeah, welding rod from the shop, and he hooked it and flattened it. I remember you and I and him went around. Yeah. We just went around the whole school and we're like, let's see what this works on. And we found out that, like, the computer lab. <laughs> Yeah, the computer lab and the science rooms, all these like high traffic, um, high valuable, things with expen- high yeah. valuable things, they all just opened because the the little like rubber pieces that would keep the doors from closing. Yeah, too loudly, far. Yeah, it just they were worn out and it just closed too far and it, the 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 mechanism failed. Yeah, wow. just, like, go ahead, Preston. Yeah, because so, there's a extra pin in the door latch that yeah. if it was open, then you could actually push the latch, but if it was closed which it was supposed to be then you couldn't pull that trick the credit card trick or whatever you're going to call it yeah 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 so we found all the doors that would open and then once again found the system was broken and that there was this great power we had to like do all sorts of havoc and then we turned it over to the teachers and the the problem got corrected and it's just like that was my typical experience in high school yeah (laughs) i just (laughs) i just felt too much of a like goody two-shoes to to use the power for evil (laughs) Yeah, I was I was gonna say they're lucky you were who you were because that could have been evil. That could have been evil. Yeah, I had great times in high school. Yeah, you did. Well, and I think all of you did, and you were. But you know what? If you think about it, those little bits that you guys did were. I mean, they were mischievous, but they weren't. They weren't evil, right? I don't think I can remember either one of you doing anything evil. Well, no, either one of you ever doing anything evil. 
Preston was always a little a little more quieter than than Garrett, but and that's that's kind of cool that you have that memory. It makes high school kind of you know not so boring. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know if you guys remember this. I'm not sure. I think it was in either Garrett's class or it was one of you that was in the when the the kid from the shot um the home ec class, the big tall six foot four big kid from the home ec class got jalapeno juice in their eye and I had to hold me, little me, five foot nothing, having to try to hold this kid down into the eyewash station so we could get the jalapeno juice out of him and he's screaming and hollering and making a big commotion in the hallway and um, oh, I don't I don't recall that. Oh. But based on the description that sounds like Hawk and Free. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it might have huge. It might have been Hawkins, but holy man, what a disaster that was. And then we I had him sit in the back of my classroom because I wanted him to to I went to have his phone his mom and because she had to come get him because I wanted him to go check at the, the hospital. She came in and she said, Ah, quit being a baby. And then she left. And I'm like, um, okay. Apparently he's just sitting in my classroom until he can go home after school on the bus. So, all right. You got to allow parents to parent as they will. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Quit being a baby. Yeah. There was a, another story you told me, um, came about the, so we were doing the, the chemistry experiment where you, you know, combine the things together and you get that, uh, glow stick glow. glow. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah putting, putting, that's a, and not spicy, but you know, oh, it, you shouldn't you shouldn't put that on uh, in places where you're sensitive. So. Yeah, yeah, it. Uh, I'm sure I told Preston the story. I think I told every yeah. kid in the whole place about. How could that, you right? not tell that story? It's so embarrassing <laughs> and so funny. Yeah, like you take <laughs> so and, and all this stuff, and you put it on a the boy part, thinking it would be funny, and then end up with like a chemical burn. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. The worst part was having to send him and a buddy to the bathroom because well you can't leave it on there and the but the very the the worst part was actually phoning his mom and saying you need to take him to the hospital because he's he, he needs medical attention and she's like well did he get it in his eye no <laughs> did he get it on his face well no <laughs> and she finally she said to me well you know where is this burn and I said well it's on his boy parts and she said oh my god <laughs> she came in to get him yeah. and she was just so bad and so embarrassed yeah yeah oh that was I told that story every year when, yeah it, I mean it's it's really memorable yeah and it's sort of like I like that, that human instinct of like the um the, the call of the void yeah or, or right like it's just like a dark or like it's a cliff and your right. brain is just like you should do the stupid thing yeah and your your rational brain's like no don't do that you'll die it'll really hurt or <laughs> yeah. something uh, but he just gave into it and then it's just like everybody knows that you have like this call in your head that's like you should do that silly thing but yeah to have the, your, your story then be told year after year oh it's like you don't want to well, you don't want to be the poster child yeah that the, 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 you know stupid human trick right like oh my gosh but I, I will never forget that his partner beside him kept going, putting his hand up and saying, Miss Holder, I need to talk to you. And I, he needs to go to the bathroom. I said, no, he's a big boy. He can wait. And I'll finally put it up. She goes, he goes, um, no, he needs to go now. And I said, why does he need to go now? Well, he put some glow. I went on, on his boy parts and I went, oh my gosh. 
And I was thinking, then I, of course, I had to go to Mrs. Gerard and I had to write up a little accident report. And, you know, how do you put this down on an accident report? It's like, I'm sure the guys in central office thought that was just absolutely hilarious. Yeah. The thing is, you make it short and you make it blunt. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yep. it's like, oh. Yeah. oh. And I see him every once in a while. As he walks by me in the grocery store, I want to go, hey, remember chemistry? Nope, we're not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty traumatic. I wouldn't want to relive that either. No, I don't think he probably does. But anyway, oh, I can't, I'm trying to think of any other good stories that we had that, that, um, I mean, I do know one, I think I told you, but yeah. So you had told us at some point that you had a child, you know, barf all over you. Yes. And that I think it was a coconut smell. Coconut. Yes. That was like oh, the, yes, it was. Yeah. And then there was a student that I was, I was aware that it was happening, that they got a coconut extract and they left it open in your classroom. Yeah. And it really, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Quite, I, I still, not nice. I still to this day, when I buy sunscreen or whatever, cannot cannot have the pina colada smell, the coconut smell, because it yeah. just brings back ugh, memories to me. Because I have as a, as a teacher had being projectile vomited on. Yeah, not so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> some of the things that you you sit back and and you remember and you go, yeah, that was not a good one. That's what happens when you teach little kids. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully the you don't have any big kids doing that, but the, the little kids type of thing. No, I mean, Grand Prairie's been really good for me. Like it, it was, uh, I got to meet a lot of great people and a lot of great families. And you get to see as, as you guys have kids and stuff like that, it's really cool to watch. And, you know, and it, what I find, I think, most rewarding as a teacher is, yeah, in the classroom is cool, but what I really like is I like talking to you, you know, to ex-students or alumni. I got told that you guys are not ex-students, apparently. Um, by one person, <laughs> they said, no, no, we're not ex-students, we're alumni. Oh, okay. Former um, student. Former student, yes. Um, but I, I love watching you guys as you, you know, go on to your careers and hear that, you know, what you what you're doing and how that, you know, that being in PWA was such a positive thing and how, you know, it kind of, kind of shaped you. And I mean, it shaped me and it shaped you type of thing because without the kids, I wouldn't be the the person I am today. Right. But PWA was a, I mean, I think because we started out so small as a really tiny high school, I think that was really a a very positive thing because you got to know people on a personal level. Whereas if when you're in the comp and there's like 850 kids, your chances of being per- on a personal level with a lot of the kids, you just don't get that, right? You don't, I mean, they have classes of 40 kids. PWA now, we have classes of 34, but when you guys were going through, I mean, 25 was big. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask you related to that, sort of two parts. Yeah. In, in your experience of, of being a teacher and sort of always teaching, yeah. like for a long period of time, the same age group. Yeah. To see how, even though the kids that you teach are, the same age. Yeah. But, you know, the world is changing and the way things change that sort of influences the way that the kids are and the yeah. way the kids see things. Yeah. But, so there's that sort of question. What is that like? The other part of the question is sort of what you were alluding to, but so what kept you teaching? Teaching can be really hard. Yeah. Kids definitely have changed in the terms of they're much more technology savvy because when we were going through the COVID shutdown, there were many days where, yeah, Mr. Google 
was my best friend trying to get all these things online and doing this because they, I mean, when they shut us down, they, they didn't, it's like, here, here's a computer. You're supposed to do a Google meet. See you later. And they're like, uh, okay. And so I had to do that. But kids, I mean, I had lots of kids that I would, you know, my screen is not sharing what I'm doing, you know, and, and, you know, the, on the Google meet, some kid would say, it's all there. Just press, you know, open Apple, this, that. And I went, Oh, okay. That works. But they're much more dependent on technology, which is not always good. I find that rather than talk to somebody, they text somebody, which I think is, is kind of a sad thing. You know, I think that with technology comes really good things, like watching little kids do, you know, the sit down with a computer or a tablet and watch what they are able to do is absolutely amazing. But I, I feel bad for the kids that are so technology bound that they don't want to go outside. They don't want to. They just, you know, that being outside is is not something they want to do. And, and I think that's kind of sad. If they could find a balance, I think that would be better. But on the other hand, you take a look at, like, I, I have a cousin who says to me all the time, you should never have to guess about anything in life because there's, you can look it up, you can find information all over and I think that kids nowadays have much more information at their fingertips but again that can be bad too they you know because well because sometimes you know the internet is not all as we've discovered the internet is not always right so there's garbage out there too so they have to learn to become a good technology kind of citizen where they you know figure out what is true and what is not true and to not always believe that everything that is on the internet is gospel type of thing but generally kids have I mean everybody goes oh kids have changed so much uh depends if your expectations for them in the years that I taught as long as you had clear expectations for what you expected and stuff like that I think it 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 was still pretty fine sometimes parents expectations have definitely changed well my my child's going to be an engineer well I don't think so they got 52 in science 10 and thinking maybe no but I mean I I always had a had a chat with parents saying you know well my my kid is going to university well okay but university is not the end all I mean it's not the end all be all for everybody yeah you know you need breadth in society and some parents are you know a little narrow-minded in terms of what their their kid is good at you can be really good at science and be dead poor (laughs) Or you, I mean, you can be really good in science and you can, you know, become a, an architect or a, you know, electrician or all these different things, right? So there's so many opportunities, but I think it's getting better that people are starting to see trades as being as an opportunity for kids type of thing. Yeah. So, and why did I stay in teaching? I, I will honestly say that I have friends that are my age. I turn a very significant number this year. I don't want to even mention that significant number. And I have friends that are that age. And when I go back to Grimshaw and I see them, they're old. (laughs) Uh, Teaching keeps you young because you keep up with the technology the kids are using, the lingo that the kids are using, the the music, all the things that, and, and it really does, it keeps you young. So it, it's really quite funny because I go home and I see some of my friends from my grad class and I'm like, yikes, you are old. <laughs> you know, just the way they, some of their, you know, some of the way that, that they talk and you're like, 
eee, grandpa, you know, come on, you can, you know, that I, I had a, I have a friend that phoned me and said, could you come, uh, my, my Bluetooth on my car has quit working. Can you come help me? I'm like, fixing the Bluetooth is not a big deal. Apparently it is, but yeah. <laughs> I love my job. I absolutely did. It was, it was something that, like I said, teaching is, I really believe teaching is a calling. That's why you, you have, I, I get very annoyed at people who say, you know, I, I'm not sure I like teaching. Well, then why are you here? Because te- if you don't love teaching, if you don't love working with kids, please don't. Because your love of learning passes on to kids, right? So if you love what you're doing, you your kids love doing your stuff. Setting off fire alarms and doing those things, that's 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 learning and, and teaching kids all sorts of really cool things. But I mean, you guys have all had them where... I mean, I had them in university where seriously, some of those professors, I think, taught the same lecture word for word for word for word for 25 years. Like, okay, I can I can fall asleep now because it's going to be the same same type of thing. He's reading from his textbook. Yay. It's something that I would tell the right person to go into it because you have to be the right person type of thing friend of mine is uh, works for Atco and he is right now he is in Drumheller teaching 40 to 50 year old men some of the new technology that's coming up from Atco and he said to me how do you do this he said I'm ready to strangle them on the very first day he said they don't want to listen and they don't want to do the work and they're telling me that why do we have to do this and I said don't give them an option type of thing (laughs) you know he said I don't know I couldn't do this he said I would be in jail I had not considered how, I think especially how you get to sort of keep up with the music. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't really listen to the new music because yeah. I I came to like experience the music that I like yeah. and the new stuff isn't the same stuff. Yeah. And so I don't listen to it. But I mean, mm-hmm. if you're there in the classrooms and some kid is playing music loudly, yeah. you get to hear all of it. Yeah. yeah. And some of it you go, that is garbage, you know, <laughs> and then you say somebody, you go, oh, I actually kind of like this one. Yeah. One of the kids figured out how to use his Bluetooth to hook up to my smart board in the middle of my lecture. He could start playing this. I don't even know what it's called. All it is is a bunch of screaming. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'd be teaching and this come across the speakers and I would just walk up and shut the speaker off and go, like, seriously, man, like, I don't know why you think you're funny. Yeah. But they learned how to hijack my, my smart board. What they forget is if you just walk up and pull the plug off out of the wall, it just goes away. <laughs> and, you know, they, they thought they were all smart. And I said, well, if you think you're so funny and nobody's going to own up to this, I just pulled the plug on the smart board. They went, oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. here's the thing. If it doesn't have power, it doesn't work. Aw. <laughs> Would you also be willing to talk to your experience as a chemistry teacher and over the years, the way that science you know iterates and things change? Do you feel like you also were in the process of learning and picking up the science in terms of what new science has come out? Or do you felt like you were teaching the same stuff for many years? The the unfortunate thing with Alberta Learning is that they hadn't updated the curriculum. Now, what would happen, like, for example, in the curriculum now, still, because they haven't changed it even since I left, is that cloning was a new thing. Well, even though you had to cover what cloning was in Science 10, you had to say to them, well, you know, they all thought this was going to be the new in big thing. It didn't turn out that well. That's why Dolly the sheep didn't, you know, live to a ripe old age. But then you had to talk about 
you, you would actually start to integrate some of the things that that you knew were changing and you would you didn't necessarily follow Alberta curriculum exactly even though you were supposed to because if you did you'd be teaching in the dark ages yeah right some of the things that they started to talk about it would be like well yeah that was true 10 years ago when or 15 years ago that's one thing that Alberta needs to do is keep up they need to to send out a little bolt every once in a while and saying yeah you know don't talk so much about cloning you can mention it and say yeah that was the thing that they tried and wasn't as successful as they thought but you might want to start talking about this and then maybe give us some websites or give the teachers websites to you know to get information yeah most times the Mr. Aston now <laughs> Mr. Aston I Mr. The, the science nerds like we would sit down at lunchtime and we'd have to talk about some of the new things that were happening yeah and then try to bring them into the curriculum because the government sure doesn't which is sad some of the things Garrett that you've learned about how you know science from your from physics 20 or physics 30 a lot of some of that has changed right so yeah part of my experience in physics was actually like you go through high school physics you basically go through all of university, like undergraduate university level yeah. physics, and you graduate. And that brings you up to like 1930. Yeah. In terms of like, you've now covered physics from the, you know, the ancient times yeah. where they, you know, it was just natural philosophy yeah. all the way up to 1930. And then you get to grad school and then you, you reach in coursework, maybe up to like the 1970s. Yeah. And then you have to specialize to get anywhere like near to the modern day to do research on. Oh, yeah. I was also just reflecting now the high school chemistry is sort of like the the branching point that covers all of the sort of things that you need to do for medical school and pharmaceutical, like you were saying, but also even though it's not biology, it's very much in the realm of microbiology and really incredible. Like, yeah, like you were saying, if you're teaching about cloning, but you're not even talking about the CRISPR technology that's been, you know, rampant for the past decade or more, that it's like, you're really missing out on like the, the stuff that's actually happening. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how that, well, I, I mean, even, even Preston probably realizes that the, the stuff that they teach you in shop, basic stuff that they teach you in shop, some of that technology now, you look at it and go, seriously, you're still learning how to do it that way? <laughs> well, a straight line will always be a straight line and a right <laughs> angle will always be a right angle. That's true. Yeah. But some I think of his these- theory has stood for thousands of years and it will still stand. That, that is true. That is true. That's one but thing about wood building. The, the materials and the process that how we construct and manipulate the materials yeah. of the world changes drastically. Oh, for sure. Like the new insulation and stuff like that that you guys use now is amazing. Even save in my experience of doing construction yeah. with Preston as yeah. well. And then coming to Toronto and watching them build high rises. Yeah. I've done a few, like I've helped do a few buildings, but when I watch them do high rises, it's like, it's a totally different method. It's a totally different yeah. way of constructing it. Oh company. yeah. And I don't know what they're doing. No, it is totally amazing how like a straight line is a straight line, but you know how they put things together now and how they make things stronger. And yeah, I got a new roof put on my house this past summer. So I said to the guy, so how long before I have to replace these shingles again? He said, yeah, don't worry about it. You'll be long gone before they need replacing. I went, oh, thank you for that. He said, no, no, I'm I'm not saying that you're old. I'm just saying that the shingles I'm putting on there, he said, they're good for a long, long time. <laughs> no, it, it's, you know, the technology and the science and everything has has progressed. And, 
And I think that it's absolutely cool. The what? Yeah, I mean, my my niece is a, a medical doctor now, and she's a surgeon. And some of the things that she tells me that they're doing now absolutely floor me. Like the things that they are able to do. You know, they can do in vitro operations on babies so that they're not born with, you know, spina bifida and stuff like it's just amazing. It just amazes me what they can do. Yeah. You know, and of course we had the old good old COVID and that's going to always <laughs> with the science and everything that goes with it. Um, that should be interesting, but yeah. What I like about science is that it's, it's always changing. And that's what kind of brought me towards being a science teacher, because I just always found that kind of amazing, like how different things do, you know, and much to Mr. Hassanelli's dismay, chemistry is the building block of all science, but he always says it's physics. I disagree. I think it's, <laughs> and of course, yeah. Mrs. Reef always says it's a bio and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not biology. <laughs> <laughs> We can agree on that yeah. one. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Oh. I made it this far and I still have never taken a, like a full biology class because I didn't take one in high school. And the breadth course that I took in university, they had like, well, they were trying things out. They wanted to like do more cross-disciplinary things. Yeah. And the biology class I took was a bio and literature class. Yeah. So we read literature things that talked about biological things. Yeah. But we didn't go into like the nitty gritty details of bio. So. Okay. Yeah, I've made it this far and still have hardly biology, which yeah. is a little bit of a shame because it's fascinating. But. Oh yeah, it can be really fast. I found bio okay. I was much more. I like the math, right? I like the math that was in chemistry and physics, and so that's why I I was a had a double major on that because that's that's what I I like to be able to do the math with it. it. Made more sense to me, but and I wasn't big into memorizing. Yeah, in terms of curriculum, I don't you know know the Alberta curriculum as well as you do. Yeah, but. The biology stuff that I've seen, yeah. especially in studying physics, is done like done by biophysicists, is very math heavy and very like computational yeah. and, and intensely difficult. And I also learned that biophysics was established by Erwin Schrödinger, oh. famous for the Schrödinger equation. Nice. He, I guess he was after you know creating this, like coming up with this incredible equation, just sort of started dabbling in you know how do the building blocks of yeah of atoms come together to make life. And he started dabbling in that. Which is very cool. Yeah. Like many people for the middle of the 20th century didn't get very far in terms of applying physics to biology. Yeah. There are a lot of complicated steps that go from carbon atoms to life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a big step. Oh, for sure. Like it's, it, I guess the one thing too with biology is now they're just, they're getting better equipment so they can figure out more of the biological steps, right? So they can actually see things. So. Yeah. And then even in a few more years, bringing it together, the Mars rover is dropping samples to be returned back to Earth. So cool. we'll be able to take samples from Mars back to Earth and analyze them in a lab for biosignatures. Yeah. There's so much you could do. Would you ever want to do that? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I've really enjoyed my career in physics so far, yeah. but there are other parts that I really love too, about yeah. learning and about the work that I do. Right. It's also... I'm currently working on a PhD where I study the solar system. Right. And I, I'm essentially working on the same problem that Newton did. Okay. Um, and it's just like, it's been, it's been 400 years. Yeah. And I can do a PhD on the topic that Newton wrote the Principia on. Yeah. Just because it's still not solved and there's still more to learn. Oh, for sure. But it's also, somebody asked what contribution my work has to humanity. Yeah. And it's like, uh, nothing. 
Like humans don't, there's like no, no part of humanity that is concerned or anxious. So there's no problem that's solved knowing whether or not Mercury is going to go unstable in 5 billion years or, or 10 billion years. Yeah. Like that's not a problem that concerns humanity. No. It's not solving anyone's problems. <laughs> there's no crisis here. Yeah. But yet I get to sit here month after month and just think about the problem and work on the problem. It's yeah. just, you know, maybe there's more rewarding things out there. I enjoy it. I really do enjoy yeah. it, but it's a little bit like, eh, it's been fun. But it's, it's you know, if, if it's as long as it's interesting, right? It's that, that's, that's what the, the thing is. Yeah. So I think we've covered about everything we... Yeah, we could turn a little more reflective if you want on some of the perspective questions. How your feelings towards Peace Country have evolved over the years or any oh. life lessons you'd want to share? Yeah, life lessons. I, I think living in the Peace Country, one thing I think I've really found in my life is the importance of working with people and being kind to people because everybody in some time in their life is going to need help, right? Whether it be tomorrow or maybe it's 10 years from now or whatever it is, I think that living in the peace country and having that bond between people is very important. I know that, you know, living in a a city like Toronto, like you, you still find people that are really nice. And I think that that is so important. Like, for example, we went to New York City and everybody had always told us that New York City, like, don't expect anybody to do nice to you. That's just a horrible type of city. And and we got lost. And I'm standing there looking at a map and going, I have no idea where we are right now. And we're having issues with our cell phones and everything like that. And this man in a three-piece suit, you know, walked up and he said, can I help you? yes, we have no idea where we are. We're supposed to be going here. And he said, no problem. He said, just go down here one block, turn left. That's where you're going to be. And, you know, so whether you're in Northern Alberta or wherever you are, I think having those connections with people and, and just being kind to one another and COVID hasn't been a good thing with that. I think that it kind of divided us. And I think that we're on our way back. Like people are starting to be kind to one another again and having a little uh, understanding and helping. And, you know, like it's just, um, I think that's super important for the world around us for us to do that. And I think that, you know, having the little small town kind of attitude type of thing where, you know, you see somebody stuck on the side of the road, you just don't drive by and wave. You you know, see if you could stop and help them or, or whatever it is. And I think that that will, will go a, a long way. How I think Peace Country has changed over the years. It, it was really small town, whether it be Grand Prairie, whether it be Peace River, whether it be Grimshaw, whatever was really small town. And, and for a while during COVID, it got really ugly because I'm a science teacher and I, I, I stand very firmly on, on vaccinations. And I had to learn as well that you have to respect people's opinions. I think I'm starting to see the kindness thing come back. And I think if everybody could just be a little more kind and tolerant, and I, and I, I do think that it's coming back. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point about that in terms of like the pandemic was, especially in the more intense lockdown times, was yeah. really stressful. There was lots of uncertainty going on yeah. and everybody was feeling it and trying to manage that. Yeah. And it just became frustrating because people had different ways of reacting to it. And those ways clashed. Yeah. But they felt like the way that they were handling it was the only way that they felt like they could handle it. Yeah. Or that they should handle it. Yeah. Or that it should be handled. Yeah. And 
then those just clashed because there was just so much like yeah. intensity of emotion that yeah. it was just too difficult to to let it go. And I think you're right that it's been better now that things have sort of settled down and yeah. And people are slowly coming back. I mean, we still have some dumb people that sometimes you just have to take a breath and go, okay, they were going to say dumb things about smallpox or whatever. So it, it really doesn't, <laughs> there's always going to be some people that have a weird conspiracy thing kind of going and you just kind of, kind of say, well, that's really for me. I'm going to walk away. Yeah. But you're right. When we first with the pandemic came out, it was ugly. No, I think that things are on the upswing and I think that hopefully better things are going to come. I'm hoping we'll settle down and start being kind to one another and that Canada can come back and start being a little better nation. I don't know. I, I, you get to see some Canadians where you go, where are you born? <laughs> anyway, yeah. see life lessons. Life lessons. I think life lessons that, that being in Northern Alberta has taught me the, the idea of being a, a good neighbor, the idea of keeping your word. I think that by my own bringing up of, who I was brought up by my parents and everything like that, that keeping your word is a, that's a huge life lesson. And that, you know, that you stand by your word and when you say you're going to do something, you're going to do a good job, you do a good job. And to be proud of where you come from. And, you know, there's, there's some people that I grew up with that, Oh, Grimshaw, ew, ew, you know, what a gross, horrible place. And, but it's made you who you are, right. Whether you stay there two years or whether you stay 50 years, you know, it does make you who you are. And I think that that's, that's very, very important. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll probably wrap up now. Yeah. But I mean, we went through some really cool things. I had, I really enjoyed talking to you guys. It was a, a, a fun experience. Yeah. Thank you. We're so grateful to talk with you too. It has been a very long time since we've had a chat. Yeah. And it's been a number of years since I popped by the high school. Yeah. On my visits at home. Yeah. <laughs> my visits to Grand Prairie were fewer as I got married and had a kid. Yeah, very true. And both of you are so busy with your, you know, your jobs and your lives that it just, that's just the way it goes kind of thing. But thank you for sharing lots of good stories with us. Lots of good laughs. We really appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Lots of great memories. I do think most people can relate to high school in some way or another, especially in yeah. North America. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Very true. And like they said, high school was, you know, for some people was the best time of their lives. Sometimes not so much, but, you know, for generally some uh, really good memories. Yeah. We're also really grateful to all of our listeners, especially those who listen towards the end of the episode. As always, if you want to give us feedback or share a story for us to talk about, you can email us at lifenorthofthe54th at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our website at peacecountrylife.ca. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. We will hopefully see you around plenty more times. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully have plenty more conversations. For, for sure. <laughs> Take care. Take care. Bye now. Bye. Bye.